wrestling nerds, you're about to sink your ear holes into a big old serving of the motherfucking IndyCast. For over eight years, the best of independent wrestling interviews, pop culture, debates over topics like breakfast cereals and the Muppets, plus more innuendo than you could shake a goddamn stick at. So here is Maximus Chad Allen, Sticky Fucking Steamboat, Zach Romero, and occasionally Duchess on Finger Bang, Luna Lynn, as they bring you the fucking Indie Cast, exclusively on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. So I one question that did get brought up that I that I'm allegedly uh, forced to ask here. So you have the interesting insight here of being both a an award-winning club DJ. Thank you. Yes. And also commentator and I would say creative consultant in sure. professional wrestling. So first of all, what is the Venn diagram between strip club patrons and wrestling fans? Oh, they're nothing alike. Like really? Wrestling fan, like it. Okay, fans wise, it's that's not a great example. Only for the fact if if the patrons at a strip club acted the way that wrestling fans do, <laughs> they wouldn't be in the club very long. You know what I mean? So, but as far as are you telling me that if you're at a strip club and and a dancer does something amazing and the crowd just went, "This is awesome," they do not. I, I think it would be a good confidence booster is all I'm saying. Fuck, getting half these assholes to clap every now and again is a pain in the dick. Okay, fair but, enough. But as far as wrestlers and strippers go, no offense, guys, but you're damn near identical. Okay, okay. It, there are so many fragile egos in both that put on a good front. It's amazing. They both have to have their egos stroked a lot, most of them. Um, I'm going to sound like a fucking asshole on this, but but there's a lot of commonality with both of them. Uh, so you kind of have to treat them both very similar. You know, kid gloves. Because especially if you're coming up, like um, you get shit on too many times and it just takes the wind out of your sails. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to get shit on constantly. Right. Whereas in the strip club, a lot of people will pay. No, I'm uh, Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's called the champagne same room. Thing. Yeah, no. Um, but there's, you, you have to, you have to encourage. Mm-hmm. And you have to, I'll be honest with you, you have to almost make certain things seem like it was their idea before they pay attention to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. I can't stand when a girl at work fucking comes over and is like, hey, can you play me whatever the fuck as I'm calling you to stage? Fuck you. If it was that important, you should have been here a minute ago or a couple of minutes ago to let me actually find the thing you're looking for or whatever. And same thing with wrestlers. <laughs> That's what I'm like, How and many- suddenly I'm having PTSD of any, hey, can you play my theme song? Did you bring us your theme song? Uh, no. Right. It's not my job to cover your ass. Right. If you have information or a theme song or whatever. Or a story or, or a, a story, character. 
get it to the dude who's playing the music. Yeah. It's not his responsibility for you to bring him your music. Yeah. That's yours. Same thing with the girls. So there's a lot of parallels. Would you would you say that's something that surprised you most about Absolutely. all this? Is how much those overlap of like, oh, I it's the same set of skills that I that's have. That's exactly have. right. After doing this for a few months, just paying attention to the backstage and, and the way things go, and I'm like, feel like i've been doing this for 20 years because i fucking have <laughs> it's weird but um it's true so let me ask you something like this uh and again of course we're we're speaking in generalities here but it does feel like there are there's a certain culture to wrestlers in a backstage sense where it's like whenever they're reacting to something or mm. um coming up with something that it's like 50% ego in terms of like, is this about me? Can this be about me? And 50%, I don't want to lose my spot. And so I'm curious if that is also the same in the club. No, no, not really. Um, I think the only thing that you could draw a parallel with that is that if you're, you know, if you're the hottest hen in the roost, basically, there's always going to be somebody eventually that comes in that's hotter or more limber or able to do better pole tricks or something like that. You know right. what I mean? So you got to kind of ride the wave and enjoy it while you have it because there's always somebody better. You just it's an inevitability. Yet, you yeah. know what I mean? So I guess I'm lucky. Uh, I've always followed the Ric Flair strategy to be the man. You got to beat the man. And so far, there really haven't been any that can beat me at my job. So I don't have to worry about stuff. Um, there's a lot of girls who have been around for a long time that know their shit. You know what I mean? And and a lot of it has to do with me, 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 especially in the beginning, which is also very similar to wrestling. Where yes. it's like, like I don't under, I never understood that with the the girls sometimes. Not all of them. Some of them are very good. But where it's very me, 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 me. Like, if, if you're having a shitty night, but I'm having a good night, and I can involve you in my happiness, well, whenever I'm having a shitty night, you may be having a good night and could turn my shitty night around. You know what I mean? Like, help each other. That happens in wrestling all the time, too, where it's like, all right, I do move A, B, and C. As long as I get those in, I don't care. And it's like, there's no, well, what do you do good? Mm -hmm. How how can I make you look better? Uh, one of the few people that does that is Hunter Law. Yes, I fucking love Hunter. Dude. That <laughs> I mean, yeah, he is absolutely a measuring stick in terms of because he knows paying it forward. He's and, very and good. Back. Yeah, like just as a wrestler, he's very good. Um, you know, but as a person. I think he's just as good, if not better, yeah. because he takes guys that may not have been doing it very long or whatever, and I've seen it firsthand. The first words out of his mouth, they're like, what do you do good? Can you do anything good? And how can I help you look better? That's amazing to me. And it's funny, like bringing Jericho back up, it's, it's fun to watch him now. Like, I don't have anything else to prove. Right. I've already done all the cool shit. Yeah, everything I could ever do. I've been do. every goddamn champion multiple <laughs> times. 
whatever. I've been to many, many different companies. Now my big thing, you already know that I'm a badass. So if I can make somebody else look like a badass by beating me. I'm not going to lose my shine. Right. Like. That's awesome. If I, I lose wish there was to, more of that. If I lose to this guy, this young guy, that doesn't take away that I was the first ever undisputed champion. Right. Like That doesn't take away my matches with Eddie Guerrero. That doesn't take away, you know, Y2J. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, I wish there was more of that. So one thing we had talked about was uh, theme songs and getting your goddamn theme music early. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, not every venue has Wi-Fi, so you coming up two minutes before showtime and going, oh, could you go on YouTube real quick? Probably not. Probably not. Well, but now, th- not you know, in in defense of some either companies or guys or whatever i now know firsthand how very quickly the bottom can fall out of an event very true uh so and so can't show up so and so got in a car accident so and so you know something happened whatever they're not going to make it well yeah but that was an in you know an important person to the an important cog in the machine. machine so sometimes they have somebody who doesn't know music doing music right or whatever so unfortunately that happens but you would trust that somebody knows what the hell they're doing. You would think. But that's not the case all the time. Sometimes it's not in their hands, but sometimes it One is. One thing I will say, and this is just in my experience with a variety of companies and and things along those lines, is it is rare. It is rare to see anyone take particular pride in certain jobs behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, ring announcing is one. Mm-hmm. I've seen plenty of shows where like it felt like somebody lost a bet, and that was the ring announcer. Yeah. And then, in more cases, it's with music. I would say probably, I'll be generous. Seven out of ten shows, the job of running music was forced upon somebody. That it wasn't like, a, oh, here's Bubba, sound guy. whoever the fuck, right. who is a sound guy, and he's going to run this shit. Very rare. Yeah. It's mostly, hey, this is the low man on the totem pole. He's going to click the button on the computer. Yeah, but I didn't know that until I got there. Right. No, no, no. And that's what I'm saying. So when I saw behind the curtain, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. You really actually yeah, need a dedicated that's, that's person. A, that's a great, that uh, that's a whole part we forgot to talk about. So- when you came into this, it was literally just to start as my commentary partner. Yeah. Was that was the initial you, agreement. You were visiting me at the comic book store, and uh, you had mentioned that you were doing ACW and that, you know, you could use a color commentator. I think you would be good at it. I said, sure, I'd love to go hang out with you and see we'll what fun we can and do. See what we do, yeah. I mean, I've, you know, not professionally, but I've, I've done it a little bit, so I know what it, yeah, and we were friends and had done similar things before in the living sure. room and things like right. that. So exactly, yeah. if we could do it in the living room, I'm sure we yeah. could do it on you know. Uh, but yeah, I think it was probably maybe, oh god, maybe three weeks in. No, it was two when two I already went to Sam Ash. Two and went, This is bullshit. Yeah, I'm getting some stuff. Yeah, um, and you. So then it became commentary, also running sound. At oh. one point, it was sound and, and lights. Okay, so, yeah, if you want to go that route. Right. 
All right. So originally, it was just commentary. Yes. And I said, all right, in order to do this correctly, we need equipment because we can't share a mic. And the one mic that's going into your phone right. to record this shit, you know, it's just it's held together with Band-Aids and yeah. duct tape. It's yeah. not good. So here, let me add a little bit of professionalism to it. There goes the, you know, yeah. mixing board, the headphones, the microphones, the whole, you know, rigmarole. Then we were at somebody else's whim, I guess, with the music. Yeah. And I know what should happen, and I know what was happening, <laughs> and it wasn't good. <laughs> and that's not through any fault of theirs. Like no. you just said, a lot of these things, it's just thrown upon them. Right. And they don't know their ass from a hole in the ground, and a lot of times they were going off of, like, YouTube and shit. Yeah. So I could understand that, but that's not professional. So I went out and got a laptop and had all the music I had you send me all yeah, the music. We, I like scoured every email, every like everything I had to to get you everyone's music who had ever wrestled for this company, who might ever wrestle for this company. Right. Like it was it was an insane amount of work. So my logic behind it was, all right, that dude sucks. Whether it's his fault or not, that's irrelevant. If we're trying to put together and if I'm gonna put my name with something, we'll by Joe, I'm going to do the the best I can and make it look the best product I can put out. So fuck it, I'll do the music too. So that's when you saw the laptop on the table right. and all that other stuff. So yeah, I was doing the the music and the color commentary while you were doing color commentary and, and ring, ring announcing. announcing. And then there's certain things that you can do that are little things like lights and stuff like that. We're just certain turning on and off of certain lights or whatever can add a certain ambiance to an entrance. So then I had them put as many things as I could control onto a board. This way, you know, if I'm about to announce you, I can black out the room, hit your music, hit certain lights to make it look cool, like a strobe or whatever. And it makes your entrance look a thousand times better. Yeah, It comes across as a much bigger deal. Absolutely. So I, for like you said, I was running lights, I was running sound, I was doing color commentator. You were doing commentation and freaking and uh, ring announcing, announcing. and we were creative Creative contributors. Yeah, Yeah. it was it was a lot. It was a lot. But again, I feel like we really learned a lot. But it was great. Run, yeah, yeah, and and we really did put our name. You, me, Alex, that whole team that was doing proving ground at the time. We really put our name on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were really. There was a lot of stuff that was just sort of handed to us in terms of there wasn't like a uh, quote unquote like steady roster. It would be sort of a, a cattle call every week, yeah, uh, and just trying to build whatever stories we could. And uh, well, it's hard to make a storyline out of nothing, a, but b you don't know who's going to be there every week, right? So, so it's hard to plant seeds if it's like, hey, we may not see this guy for another month, right? How are they going to remember him the next time, right? Because of something that happened a month ago. So luckily, I would say more times than not towards the end anyway, the last six to eight months that we were there, a lot of these guys were showing up weekly. Right. And they would let us know if they weren't going to be there the week after. It's like, hey, I'm not going to be here two weeks from now, but don't worry, I'll be back right after that. So that would at least give us heads up to build something. according. He's like, okay, well, then we don't need them for this week, but we can do, and we can shift things around and storylines. 
we can actually do a storyline. We can actually have a rivalry between these people or whatever and make a story and make this make sense. So perfect segue. One of my questions here was going to be, what is your proudest moment so far in wrestling? Okay, well, that would have to be the Catalina thing. That's what I thought. All right, so, holy shit. Okay, so. Well, I, I would say the behind-the-scenes buildup of this was. You and I talking at Chili's until 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> very true, very true. But we had come up with this concept of we were working this Proving Ground show that was weekly, and as we just said, the roster uh, didn't stay consistent week to week. So right. we had to kind of build something new every week. And Certain by we, things. I mean Christian, myself, and Alex Green. Um, and so we had this idea of what if we could build something that carried over from show to show. Yeah. Um, not the whole card, because that's asking too much, but just an element of the show that we could tell a story that branched, let's say, six weeks. Yeah, and it wouldn't even have to be every single week. No, but enough to keep a story right. going that people who were watching could follow along with yes. and hopefully get excited for. And so uh, we had come up with this idea to have uh, Catalina and Lexi feud. Well, yeah, because Catalina, Catalina I, was a heel. Catalina Perez and Lexi Gomez. Sorry, yeah. And Both so, heels yes. at the time. Um, but very good together in ring. Very true. They, so that they, means they that one worked. of them has to go face. Right. So they they have been working a lot together previously yes and so that was part of it was like okay what if we had talents that have already wrestled before but we're going to tell a story that makes this must-see tv even though it's not like because that's an easy get out of jail free card would yeah. be like oh hey wrestler a and wrestler b they have never wrestled before you gotta see this but if it's like okay you've seen these two wrestle before but now there's a reason but now we are putting some gas on this right and you got to understand to Take somebody who was, you know, not pulling punches. Catalina was despised. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because she was part of a group called the Dynasty, and the Dynasty was, you know, not popular. As, right. You know, they were heels. They were getting booed all the time. So, absolutely. Like, wouldn't even let them talk. Very true. So how the fuck are we going to get somebody like Catalina to be a face and to have everybody else go along with it? Right. So that wasn't easy. But it worked. It like it was weird that it worked but yeah they're really behind her we can do this and that's when the whole you know so Lexi so and Catalina so story i want to i want to you know kind of cite our source here so in order to what, what was it jim Cornette says like anything after seven years is fair game to reuse yeah um so basically we took the philosophy of when the rock was like the sellout rock who's getting you know who's supposed to be getting booed all the time how do they turn him face again and they made shane mcmahon a bigger villain yes because they were running buddies and then shane like turned on him and so we applied that same logic here the dynasty the forefront of it was kyle kidman who was the manager and catalina perez who was who was the talent right and so basically we just had him be shane mcmahon and catalina was the rock yeah. And so And she was the champ at the time. Right. And so it 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 spiraled out of this into this whole feud that revolved around Kyle joining forces with the Rapture, which is another heel faction, 
and that's where Lexi got involved because we couldn't just do a program of Kyle, who is not a wrestler, fighting Catalina, who, for, is, a who, right. who is a wrestler, for six weeks. Right. That was just not going to be an option. So it was like, okay, well, how do we accomplish that same goal but we have it with two wrestlers instead. It's basically high school rules. If somebody's right. picking on you, you go to the biggest guy that, you know, right. that's your friend to stick up for you. Exactly. So then that became, well, Lexi's part of the rapture. Right. So now here's our blood feud. Right. And besides, a dude can't really beat the shit out of a girl, especially nowadays. So it's like, you don't want to show that anyway, yeah. but, but I can get somebody else to do it. Like, let's put it this way. If I got a girl at work, that's really irritating the shit out of me. <laughs> okay. Where are we going with this? But I have a couple of other girls that really, really like me, and they're mad that that girl pissed me off. They may do something. Oh, boy. All right. All right. This is parody. This is parody. There's no uh, no FBI, FBI. Uh, there's a prank call. Prank call. Um, yeah, wrong number. Uh, so the the craziest part about this moment, so we're building this story, um, and like Christian said, it wasn't an every single week thing. It's not like they fought 100 times in a row, but like, there would be promos, yes. and you know Catalina got quote unquote fired at one point, and then got came back. Right, there might be a run in, right, or something. And then the Rapture would get involved, right. and they'd have matches, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we had originally planned this for like anywhere between four to six weeks. Yes, and then I don't even remember the re- the full reason. I'm sure Alex probably has more insight on this, but we got the call down from management that was like, "We need you to extend this." Because this, of an injury or something. It was something. I don't remember what. Right, yeah, but it was yeah. something where it was like this like five month or like, let's say five week program needed to be like eight. Or if or if yeah. not longer. Right. Like it went from like a month ish to like three month ish. Yeah. And we're like, oh Jesus. I don't know how we're gonna be keep people involved with the right. same storyline for three months. Right. And so what ended up happening was this idea and this concept that we were confident in ultimately and that the talent was confident in ended up spiraling into all of these other amazing little moments Yes, because we ended up introducing a tag team that we really wanted to introduce Yeah, because that was uh, Gabe Zilla and Victor Vences who were guys out of Ocala who had never tagged, but they were both singles acts. They were both really strong dudes and they had kind of kicked around the idea of being a tag team. And they were willing to take a chance. And they were. And we were yeah. like, okay, great. Now here you're going to be the APA for Catalina. Right. That's exactly right. It's like you guys, you know, you guys got any ideas? Do we? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, because okay, so Catalina week in and week out was getting the shit kicked out of her beat or the shit end of the stick. If Absolutely. it wasn't a beatdown, it was a, a oh, rapture. Yeah, rapture's pulling some kind of nonsense. Right. So rapture would pull their shenaniganry. And she would be on the losing stick week in and week out. So we had this thing where, all right, well, how is she going to be able to even the odds? And that's when the tag team Titan came in. Right. Victor Vences and Gabe Zilla. And these two guys were like, absolutely, we can't wait. Yeah. So, yeah, as soon as Catalina shows up at the entrance, then she goes, I got a way to even the odds. And these two big sons of bitches come up behind her. And she's not that tall, which makes them look even bigger. Yes. It was one of those holy shit moments that worked perfectly. Right. For being an idea that we're just kind of springing on the audience. Like we yeah. didn't necessarily like be, like build up like through a vignette of like, oh, by the way, these two guys are going to tag team. This is like an idea we're just throwing at the crowd. But in that moment, in that environment, 
it was like, oh, our prayers have been answered. Right, like, especially it, because if you think about it, we had, and th- I'm very, very proud of this, and I'm sure Jared is too. Right. Uh, the wind up in the bitch smack. Yeah. Now, okay, so weeks of her getting the short end of the stick. Um, there was one instance where Jared Diaz, one of the rapture, smacked the holy shit out of her, and it was a great smack. It wasn't a real smack, but right. it was it. It was it was it about fooled, as picture perfect. It fooled people in the back, right? Where they were like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, like they thought that like we crossed a line, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were both in on it, right? And they were laughing their ass. They're like, "Holy shit!" It really got the you know the, the reaction. Point across, we were yeah. So now. Not only were the rapture great, but they were getting more and more booed right. every time they were coming. They, if you thought they were heels before, they are the most heeliest of heels right now. Well, because they're beating up a girl kind of thing right. or whatever. So yeah, as soon as Catalina comes out and then Titan comes out behind her, holy shit! It was right. one of those moments where the bully is about to get the shit kicked right. out of him. It was the comeuppance that people it were really was looking so for. Good, and so yeah, that spiraling effect. So when it was all said and done. Catalina became this huge face for for the company and for the the women's division. Um, she, we we had worked on promos together. Like yeah. she really started figuring out her voice for promos. Um, Lexi got better. Like between yeah. the two of them, really getting to work things out and having a variety of matches. They had like, you know, no DQ matches and and things along those lines. Like just unbelievable stretching of their wrestling abilities like they were really they learning like new things five levels of hell kind we of. had all kinds of nonsense yeah. um the rapture got to advance because this was a real group dynamic story that they got to tell uh, yeah, along with kyle looked like a real faction right along with kyle like everybody cutting promos and really telling a story and not just being like well the story is that you're very good in the ring that you know a real story being told that carried week to week which a lot of them had not experienced before right like getting to be a part of that um, and then Titan being introduced and just all of this storytelling that came across super clearly and people were really excited about and got into and like, yeah, felt invested in. Right. Yeah. And so it was, I agree. That is my proudest moment as well. Oh um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just that, because well, truly storytelling it, and we accomplished everything we wanted to accomplish. And especially cause we didn't know we were going to be able to. Right. Like there were so many, you know, pitfalls that this may not work out the way oh, we of wanted course. to. And Every it didn't, sin- actually. If I'm not mistaken, something happened, which is why it was continued for a while longer than it should yeah. have. And then, for some reason, all the planets aligned right at the very end, and it went off masterfully. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be I if I'm not mistaken, I think we all had a group hug at the end of oh, the Oh, we night. did. Like, it was a very emotional thing. Yes, it absolutely was. Thing. Like, it was... That shit was amazing, and it worked, and that was all... That didn't exist three months ago. Right, right. You know what I mean? That yeah. was something in our heads that cult, you know, culminated into an amazing well, moment. Well, and, and obviously we were in a, a, uh, an interesting position because we had a weekly program. Yes. It, you know, if, if, if we had had a traditional wrestling company where it was like, okay, this same story, and we're only running once a month, then this is a year's program right. that we're hoping people are going to be able to keep track of yeah month especially to month. With short attention spans right so we were in we were in a very um interesting position to be able to tell that kind of story yeah fortunate I but would say. yeah but the fact that we had amazing talent who was willing to step up and trust us 
yeah. and help us tell this story. Um, well, yeah, we couldn't be prouder done it without them. No, couldn't be prouder. Um, and, and and like you said at the very beginning of this, the the seeing the evolution, the seeing like people stepping up to whatever the challenge was that week, and stepping up to telling the story and getting better and trying new things and not just staying stagnant and being like, well, I, I do this super kick. It's pretty cool. Like really growing and, and, and willing to take that journey with us. Cause we've yeah. talked about it before. That's not a, that's not a guaranteed thing. No, There's plenty of talent is open to suggestion. Yeah. yeah. Especially if it's something not in their comfort zone. Right. Sometimes you get lucky and they go, all right, fine. Normally I wouldn't do it, but I'll do it. You know, I'll give it a shot. And they wind up coming back like that was one of the most fun times I've ever done. Whatever we should do that more, right? Like that's one thing I'm not gonna, you know. Look, I'm not trying to suck the rapture's dick all night long, but <laughs> they're awesome, dude. Right. Like not for nothing, and you know, physically amazing. I'll give them that, and you know, very much superior to a lot of the people who have been in it for the same amount of time, as far as agility and and athleticism, right? But also the fact that they don't take themselves too seriously where they're willing to give things a shot. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody has different, you know, uh, thresholds and everything like that. Um, Richard's more serious than Jay. Jay is kind of a, you know, he can be silly. And, uh, when we would say certain things to either him or Jared or whatever, I'm not sure if necessarily Richard even wanted to go along with him all the time. But he was like, ah, fuck it, I'll do it if it's, you know. If, if it's going to make sense. And and then he had fun at it. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. So, like like you were saying, when when we give them something and then they give it back and then we give even more. Man, I tell you what, I could not tell you how much fun I had with the Rapture being. Coming up with the lore of the Rapture. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was so much fun. Like, uh, we actually have a guy that he's a fan, but he's also an EMT. His name is Mike. He's usually at most of the shows, and uh, a very good friend and just yeah, a great guy, and great to have an EMT if you need one. Also true, but just as a little shout out, we would be like, "Hey, EMT Mikey in the crowd," you know, making sure everybody's safe, and just that was just a nod of the cap, or you know, yeah, just to let Mikey know that we knew he was there and and whatever. It wasn't anything other than that. But then we were talking to the Rapture, and I was like, "Look." I said something about, like, uh, having a barbecue over at your house. Like, if somebody were going to have a barbecue, which one of your relatives would, you know, be the one having the barbecue? Where would we all hang out? He's like, oh, over at Uncle Mikey's house. Well, shit. Same name and everything. Right. Now our friend EMT Mikey became Uncle Mikey. Right. The the barbecuer extraordinaire over right. at the Rapture's, you know, barbecues every week. Well, then that became this whole storytelling narrative of like well that's why the rapture is always on the same page because yeah. it's those strategies being spoken about over you know coleslaw and ribs like you right know, that that's where this all comes from now as opposed to like any other company which would be like well they travel together they train together and uh you know that's why they're on the same page this was like building a bigger they universe live together right this was building a bigger universe right but it also for us became a really good scapegoat as to why certain things happen true it, it became a good catch-all right if it's an unexplained change in Formation. whatever reason yeah well how the fuck are we gonna make this make sense don't worry i got it right and at the barbecues that's where all the work was done right all the all the heavy lifting right all the behind the scenes 
and all that kind of stuff. Those were, you know, all talked over potato salad and ribs. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, once those guys got on board with that, the next thing you know, like they're in the ring and they'd look over at me, point and say, hey, man, see you at, you know, at the barbecue, yeah. at Uncle Mikey's house for the barbecue. Yeah. Which in turn made me giddy as a schoolgirl, right? Only to turn to you and go, and you're not invited, right? So then it started serving a secondary purpose, which was like it, it helped explain why they were so good as a team, and it also helped create an elitism for them of like, oh yeah. well, they're snobby, not just because well they're very confident wrestlers and they're young and they know what they're doing. No, 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 because they know they're better than everybody because they go to the bar- barbecue and not everybody gets to go to the barbecue, right? And, and if you're not on the list, then oh well, yeah. You're standing I on the fence on the like list. Wilson from uh, Home Improvement. You're looking over the fence. Exactly. So, yes, you were on the list and I wasn't. And so that became the other storytelling element. So it was either. Well, yeah, because I had reasons to that be... nobody else knew about. Right. And I had the inside right. info, you know, the skinny yeah. on why things The NWO were... wished they came up with the Absolutely. barbecue to explain the third man. They yes. wish they had that. And they wish they had Uncle Mikey's rib, also rib recipe. Also true. Um, so actually, just to sort of round this out here, I want to kind of go over. Um, just some other stuff that you and I have, you know, been involved with in wrestling and, and just sort of talk about that as, I guess, kind of proud moments and just sort of thoughts in general. Okay. Um, so speaking along the same lines of, like, kind of this tennis match of the wrestlers coming up with something and we're taking it and running with it and then they're taking what we're running with and going and we're doing this arms race of creative ideas. Sure. The Danny Vincent Show. Oh, yeah, okay. So Danny Vincent. Phenomenal. Phenomenal wrestler. Came out of the Lethal Academy. Uh, same graduating class as Troy Hollywood and Snoop Strikes and Hunter Law. Right. Um, part of OAO, all that good stuff. And so he had come up with this idea that he was going to be pro wrestling Johnny Carson. Yeah, but more of a Jerry Springer almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he was going to be this talk show host. Okay, fine. And so it was one of those cases where, you know, week after week he would come in and he would be trying to build something. He's trying to figure something out. He's, he's kind of, you know, feeling it out in the feeling out process. And in doing that, he would come up with ideas that we would run with on commentary. And then he would listen back on commentary. And the next week would be like, okay, I heard that. And here's how we're elevating it. Right. And we would just kind of go back and forth and back and forth. But he was such a great sport about us getting really weird and silly about things at times. And then he would get really weird and silly about things at times. And it was one of those cases of just really feeling uh, simpatico of yes. just like as as weird as we would get because we would go into such. Yeah, but weird... we felt like we were part of the production company oh, of abso- his show oh, absolutely. that didn't actually exist. Absolutely. And so we would make like crazy references to, to episodes and things like that stuff that's just not even right. They didn't but, even exist. But same kind of that mythos building, that yes. lore building. And then he would reference those things. So it was that we were adding an element of realness to this because if he just came out there and was just like, Hey, I'm the host of the show and I'm great and blah, 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 blah. And we were just like, okay, well he's a jerk. And that was it. Right. Then that's it. Which that was what the audience was supposed to think. Right. But not us. Right. So we would just keep building up this whole thing of, well, he's done this and he wants to do this. And these are his aspirations. And how many things did you have him how many was it up to? Four, oh my god, fourteen, 14 or seventeen? That. He's the the producer, director, uh, yeah, sound guy, best boy, uh, key grip, uh, costume designer, um, 
There was like seventeen. At things. most, I think we were at seventeen. Uh, like it was titles on on IMDb. Like even. When he would look at you. Yeah, well, because that's the thing is every show I would add a new one. I would yeah. do more research and figure out, like, what's another Hollywood, like, job that you could have on set. Like, And he thinks you're done after 13 right. or 14. Because that's where we were last week. Right, and now all of a sudden there's, like, 16 or 17, yeah. and he stops and looks at you like, God damn, I did all that shit, huh? Yeah. And that was great. But that's a perfect little, like, you know, in capturing of, of that whole idea. It's just him coming up with grand ideas and us feeding into those and continuing to build together um and i (laughs) we're talking about like the christmas special and like the season of the danny vincent show where he had an evil twin just all this like general pop culture nonsense that just lives in my brain yeah that we could just yeah alternate universe yeah that we could just you know discuss and talk about and you were a great in a very um uh, on, on a micro scale, it was a very you were Bobby Heenan and he was Mr. Perfect yes. in terms of like you had seen every show and knew that they were all five stars. And Danny and I didn't get along because he was an asshole to me in the right. ring. And so well, he I would was give you shit constantly, uh, constantly. That constantly. was the worst introduction I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And, and he would screw up your name. Well, and here's the thing. It was a, it was very similar in terms of the classic like Ric Flair kind of motif of like, what's the difference between uh, a face Ric Flair promo and a heel Ric Flair promo? They're exactly the same, but he'll interrupt himself to insult somebody in the crowd. That's how you know it's a bad guy. Oh, right. It'll be like, you know, jet flying, wheeling, dealing. Hey, shut up, or I'm taking your girlfriend. And everyone's like, oh, boo. That's the only difference. And so Danny, Danny knew that that crowd had a soft spot for me because, you know, I was slumming it with them or whatever. Yeah. And so he knew that by just being an asshole to me that automatically he was going to gain the ire of the crowd. The heat. Yeah. yeah. Boo. So just again, building off that you, well, not you, uh, some uh, slack jawed lackey who was running the music that night. Yeah. Uh, got into it with Danny Vincent in terms of... Uh, that was the greatest. Yeah. So this was all part of this bigger program we were sort of building where in ring, Danny's fantastic, but the entire buildup of, I guess, the um, sort of the big swerve was like he was such a goof in, like as a character. He had a, I, I always refer to him as a Cobra Commander. Yes. He thinks that he's in charge and that he is the ultimate authority. When in actuality... He's very inept. Right. And, and, and you know, he's always foiled by G.I. Joe. Same kind of vibe. And so that whole program we got to build was so much fun because it was it was never about ourselves or just about him. And it was never, like, overshadowing. Like, we never overstepped and, like, come up with something so fucking ridiculous. No, it would have to be in that, character. Yeah, it had sense. to fit with what was yes, going on. absolutely. And everything built in increments. It wasn't just, like, a zero to a hundred kind of thing. Um, completely not on subject. Uh, you were talking about proudest moments. Mm-hmm. I think the very first show I ever did with you was, like, August 8th or something Holy like that. Holy shit. Uh, 18th, I believe. And Sage Scott was one of the you know guys on the card. Yeah. And I knew instantly, like sight unseen, that's my guy. Yeah. 
holy shit, who is this guy? Now, flash forward a year or so later, when he comes over to the booth and he goes, I'm going to make you shit your pants tonight. And I didn't know what he meant. I was scared, mostly for my pants. But (laughs) to be fair, they were very nice pants. Yes. But then he did some incredible shit in the ring that made me lose my goddamn mind. And he comes over and all he did was smile. And he was like, told you. Yeah. I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Like that kind of thing is amazing to me that I knew that that was my guy. And my guy gave a shit enough to make me want to freak out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he's like, man, I can't wait to to see your face tonight. Yeah, I'm like why? He goes, I'm gonna make you shit. And I was like, ah, I can't wait. <laughs> so yeah, stuff like that is incredible. Well, and that was Dick Danger. Yeah, that's another one on my list to talk about is Dick Danger. Okay, you want to go into it now? Yeah. All right. So well, I was gonna say my only final note about Sage Scott is just he's the greatest of all time. He's a one, Mister A one since day one. Yes, um, and not a cruiserweight. <laughs> but real quick to interrupt yes. your interrupting me. Yes, I. I just recently met Jake St. Patrick. Jake St. Patrick, yes. Also part of the Midnight Tribe. Right. The Midnight Tribe is part of Sage Scott's crew. Yes. Okay. You got the heavy hitters, Sage Scott, and now you got Jake St. Patrick. Holy shit, is that guy talented. Yes. So I am so very, very happy I got a chance to see that. Which was a very interesting moment to see that Mm -hmm. this past week. Uh, when we were at the uh, Championship Wrestling, I welcomed Florida. him to the tri- I welcomed him to the tribe, and he right. kind of looked at me like, "What?" Yeah, and and to kind of I think eventually once we get the commentary all put together for that show, I think it's going to click because you were like kind of an unofficial <laughs> additional member of the Midnight Tribe. Like, well, yeah, I was so excited I flubbed up his name like two or three <laughs> times before I actually got Jake out. I'm like, uh, ja- uh, ja- uh, uh. Uh, yeah, it was it was a very exciting moment, but. Um, to uh, again with Midnight Tribe, which was, you know, some of these young guys who are very very talented and and looking for opportunity, and came to Proving Ground. By no means am I trying to take like any kind of credit. Like we were on the ground floor, they came to this already a figured out thing, right? Like they had their shit figured out, but to get to play a part in any of that and really kind of helping to showcase like hey this is why this is a big goddamn deal yes and that anytime we got to do that even if it wasn't something we were on the ground floor and creating just when it's very obvious to us like oh this is what this is the business this is what needs to be said and being able to help tell that story and being on the same page with talent that is those are moments that i love absolutely but goes back to what i was talking about before is if you believe in this person, it makes it very easy for you to champion that person and very make it believable for everybody else. Because I know what I see. Right. If I can make you see what I see, that could enlighten then you we're as all a good. fan. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know the ability that Sage Scott has. I'm gushing over this dude on mic, telling you just how extraordinary he is to be able to do the what things he does. that he does. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to do that, and yet he does, and right. he does it gracefully. Yeah, um, that's that's the magic for me. Like you're yeah. saying, you know, to be a part of that. Well, and not only that though, but as soon as Sage Scott was like, "Hey, I've got this like faction now," that I remember us being 110 percent on board with. That, Absolutely, of like, okay, now we're we're going to tell the story then too that you brought in reinforcements, and here we go. Yeah. Um, 
those are those are elements. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is fucking talk to your commentators. <laughs> like, yeah. like if you've got a character or a story you're trying to tell, clue your commentators in a little bit. Or and I'm not saying or be super s- or be super fucking obvious. Yeah. You don't have to have a, a full chit chat. Uh pleasantries is enough. But if you're gonna do that, you make it obvious. Right. Go tell that story in ring. Danny Vincent told that story in ring. We figured it out. Yes. And we were able to build together. Rapture told that story and we, it built organically. Right. The, those are elements that are a little easier to pick up on. But if you're not being overt with what your character is or the story that you're trying to tell, don't just leave us in the dark. Well, yeah, because we're only going to make up whatever we can to right. make it make sense to us. Right. So help us out. Exactly. You know? So let's talk about Dick Danger. Love Dick. <laughs> Love Dick. Just, that's it. So much. Um, yeah, that's going to be a soundbite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so you you want to go from the beginning? So um, I know I've known Dick Danger for a long, long time. We went to college together. Uh and so he had expressed interest in becoming a wrestler. And so he went to Lethal Academy and, and graduated from their program. Um, and so when it came time for him to, we, he finally got the all clear to, to come to other companies outside of Lethal Academy. Right. Um, we were all sort of building it together that, yes. in the, in those chili Chili's parking lot discussions. Yeah. Um, we would brainstorm and, and come up with different concepts. And I've I actually talked about it. I think I talked about it on the Gimmick Guide video series that uh, Dick Danger was not the original concept. Right. It was something totally different, and then we ended up scrapping that and starting fresh. Um, but it was really one of those cases of similar to the Lexi and Catalina feud of, okay, we're trying something in kind of uncharted waters in terms of like, Here's a gimmick from the from day one, and we're just going to fully commit to it. And things being successful right from the get-go, and then seeing that sort of reinforcement of our ideas. Yeah, but, all right, you, you went over that kind of quickly, which, you know, for time's sake or whatever. <laughs> but you got to explain a little bit how, like, all right, so we were going to go with this. It's not going to be that. We're right. scrapping it. We're going to go with this. So we got a name, mm-hmm. Dick Danger. All right. So then from there, we started off on all kinds of different, you know, tirades of what he's done in his past. Right. And by the time within a few weeks of basically just the stuff that would make us laugh right. or things that we would think were awesome, how can we tie that into this character who, to be honest, I've never even met yet. Right. But I knew his whole origin. Yeah, you knew his story. Because I helped make it up. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? And it made me giddy before I had ever even seen this dude. Yeah. So when he does make his debut, it's a thing of beauty. Right, yeah. All the time and effort and all the lore that we had joked around with, now we got to use on Mike. On commentary, yeah. And it went over fantastic. Like, Instant, like I, you said, Levi Everett. As soon as you see him, instant, you're in. Yeah. yeah, you're in. Soon as you saw Dick Danger, sight unseen, and he is not a big dude. Soon as you saw him, you're like, I fucking love that guy. Yeah, I hope he does incredible. Yeah, I don't know how the hell he's going to beat the hell out of that tall dude, 
or you know whatever bigger opponent. But we'll see. But God damn it, I'm pulling for him. So let's let's talk just a little bit about like the anatomy of Dick Danger. Okay. So uh, he had come. We had we had discussed kind of an evil Knievel, all American. Um, I hear a lot of Super Dave Osborne. I hear right. that a lot uh, of like the Americana kind of look. Uh, well, because when we were kids, Evil Knievel was the shit. Was the shit, yeah. And so um, he had found the tights, which were like these American flag tights, and he had uh, commissioned white boots. And then we had found on eBay the American flag like motorcycle helmet. Yeah, yeah, the motorcycle helmet, the 70s style motorcycle helmet, which we put the, the, the DD on the side. Yeah. Um, and in retrospect, if I could do it over again, I'd get a size bigger for him. Oh, really? Because make it that much more. Well, it fits great on him, <coughs> but it doesn't have any of the cushion inside oh. to fit his noggin. That's true. So when all these matches come up and these guys want him to do the triple Lindy with the fucking helmet on, it's like you know this isn't really protecting my head, right? This is just like yeah. hard plastic just against makes my, my skull. Head ring like a bell. Yeah. Right? Um, but came up with the, the the helmet, and then I actually talked with. Uh, Ophidian the Cobra right. and Kate Nix at Closet Champion up in Philadelphia to make him some like gauntlets, gauntlets that had the like uh, like your first tricycle sort right, of the frill the, the, fr- uh, the, the, the yeah the tassels tassels and so that's his look and he looks like a million bucks um, because deep down inside he's been Dick Danger his whole life he well then he came out he, with a mustache he that jumped was straight out of the 70s. he jumped the Grand Canyon out of his mother's womb like he's yes. been Dick Danger since birth. Um, yep. deep down inside and so so that's part one but then part two is intro yeah and that's where you came in well yeah you got to have the right okay so i wanted to talk about this i want to talk about the importance of a good introduction okay so for dick danger you had to have something that would resonate with people old young didn't matter mm-hmm. anybody who got the shtick mm-hmm new evil Knievel well you got to have a song that they can relate to as well so figured born to be wild was probably a really good one but you don't want to use necessarily the original one because sometimes it'll get caught up if it's on a show that is weird about copyrights and things like that so I happened to find this guy who does a lot of uh you know covers and stuff like that and he had luckily born to be wild so I let Dick and you listen to it and everything and immediately it was like, yeah, this that, is it. That's it. Yeah. So as soon as you hear that and you see him, that's half the story has already been told. Yeah, you got it, it yeah. immediately. You and see, he's a stuntman. He looks like Evil Knievel, and he's an underdog because of his size. That's half the story already told. Doesn't matter who the fuck he's wrestling. Right. That's half the story already told. Yep. He just walked through the curtain. We even had BS, you know, stunts that he had done. Oh, of course. And hurt himself with. Yeah. You know, yeah. like jumping the Bellagio fountains <laughs> right, and yeah. stuff like that. You yeah. know, just stuff. But, yeah, all of that was, incru- you know, incredibly important. But it wouldn't have made a lick of difference if he didn't pull it off. Right. He took everything we had and went, I love it. I can't wait. And let's commit to it. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait to do this. You know, that kind of stuff. And it was fantastic. Yeah. And it went over huge. Right. So, and the big, and the, I'd say the bigger lesson there is that that's the benefit of having a gimmick and having a clear gimmick yes is that even if it's your first time at a show like this is your debut at this wrestling show if your gimmick is that clear 
it's doing all the heavy lifting for you. Yes. You don't have to spend the first three minutes of your six-minute match Explaining going, well, to... this is who I am, by the way. Right. I know it's not super clear, but this is who I am. And these are my aspirations. This is what I'm trying to achieve. Fuck that shit. Now you got more time to actually wrestle and tell whatever stories you're going to tell in ring. Well, I mean, shit, as far as gimmicks goes, look at Gnarly Adventure. Right. Gnarly Adventure, Carlos Gabriel and uh, Merlin. Yes, Andrew Merlin. Andrew Mer- uh, Merlin. Just, I, I don't. You say they so they were, were they were critical mayhem forever. Yes, they've been a, they've been a tag team forever. They were kind of getting bored with it or something like that. Yeah, they they've always been similar to like the Rapture, always super skilled in ring. That was never a doubt. But it was just one of those cases where they were just good wrestlers. That was right. sort of the 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 shtick. Um, and so it I won you titles. Said, well, what do you like? You yeah. Know, so you- so we were backstage at another show and we were there early, and I was talking with Carlos a little bit, and. I was, oh, I was thumping that gospel real hard that day about yeah. gim- the gimmick gospel. I was thumping it real fucking hard that day. Well, we kind of have this idea. And yeah, Carlos was like, well, we were kind of kicking around idea. And I was like, give me this idea. What is it? And he mentions being inspired by Bill and Ted. And I was like. Absolutely. That would, would fucking 100% yes. work. 100% that would work. Why are you even questioning this? Yeah. And so then I then it became like an hour sermon to Andrew. About why this was the greatest idea since sliced bread. Right, trying to sell him on it. And so again, they totally committed to it. They ca- and to that, I left it alone. Like I, did, we weren't as nearly as involved. No, in the beginning stages of that as we were with Dick Danger. Gnarly Adventure figured their shit out on their own, and so when they showed up to the show that we were putting on, and they're fucking looking the part, it was like, oh my god, this is gonna fucking work. Well, that's when I came in. Right. I was like, all right, well, what is their entrance going to be? So I pulled a B-side off of the uh, the soundtrack, I think. It was a winger. It was either – it had to be the first movie. I don't think it was from Bogus Journey. I think it was from the first one. I think it was the first one. It was called uh, Battlefield or Battlegrounds yeah. from Winger. But it fit Oh, it's really, a super, really like, good. good, like, hair metal, yeah. airhead kind of jam. The greatest thing ever for me – was I was like, all right, well, if you're going to be Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted do the guitar. The air guitar. The air guitar. Yeah. You know what I mean? How the hell are we going to do that? So I told them and that I isolated. A guitar riff. A guitar riff from yeah. Bill and Ted. Just that. I said, if you guys can do a tandem move to whoever, look at each other and go, excellent. And then do the air guitar. I'll it will hit- be there. I'll hit the air guitar, and the whole crowd will hear it. They did it. It was fucking incredible, yeah. and we all lost our shit. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It was one of those proud moments, one of those, like, yeah, it worked. You yes. Know? And it's, again, one of those cases where, like, yes, it's a pop culture character, um, but in a situation like that, you're telling – that's a memorable moment for someone who wasn't expecting that, yeah. like somebody in the crowd. It was just like, oh, it's a really good tag team. And they fucking played air guitar and I heard it. Like, yeah, that's it, a that's something that'll stick with you as a fan. Right. And it's something that helps them stand out. Yeah. And absolutely. so those are definitely key elements. And and I wanted to, uh, I'm not, we're not going to put him over. But um, I felt like with, uh, I know he's a huge fan of yours, but I know that Captain Nova it was the same thing. Like, why would you not put over? Because he's put over enough. The man has his own shows. Oh, whatever. Um, 
But uh, he's a great captain. Yeah, and, and a great friend. Yes, but uh, that was another one where like you and I would build a lot of lore, and you know he was always willing to kind of play along with whatever we were coming up with. The best thing we did was with him versus Dick Danger. Yes, because they both had a move. They both had a like running. Um, like a DDT kind, kind of, of a yeah but on your knee like it was you know shorter or whatever so okay so dick danger called it the fun size flatliner yes because that's what it is those are a flatliner that's what those moves are called so they both had a running flatliner right and so <laughs> we had called dick danger as the fun size flatliner because right. he's fun sized and then nova brought up that that move was already in use and it was called the captain's comet right and so then that became the feud was who could do it better well not only that you're a a, a dick danger swinger yes and i'm an aaron nova swinger yes. so you and i on commentary were able to argue right while our guys <laughs> are beating the snot out of yes. each other in the ring yes so yes. yeah anything you can do i can do better kind of thing it yes. was fantastic and both of them we're absolutely willing to try anything. Yes, and that's ultimately what I think is one of the best attributes you can have as a as a performer. I will tell you that Captain Nova is the key to everything. Oh, that, that everything. So uh, we're we're hitting our, our our time mark here. So I have to end with our two famous uh, IndieCast questions here. So uh, first of all, let's let's really bring the mood down here for a minute. Uh, unfortunately, in the incredible performance art of professional wrestling, we lose a lot of talent early. Yeah. And so uh, you've obviously been familiar with talents who are no longer around. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, calling uh, Jello Wrestling with Macho Man Randy Savage and, yeah. and many more. Um, so if there was one talent that you could maybe call a match for live or, or talk with, maybe talk creatively with, just work with in general that is no longer alive, who would it be and why? Without a doubt, Mr. Perfect. Absolutely. Kurt Henning was the greatest wrestler of all time, in my opinion. Uh, could sell anything. Uh, you know, like you would say, could have a fight with a broom. <laughs> right, right. And make it in, in interesting. <laughs> right, you know yes. what I mean? That If I could call a Mr. Perfect match, that would, you know, I could die a happy man. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. The two guys that I think... Uh, all right, so Mr. Perfect was the greatest of all time. My top three, I would probably say Mr. Perfect, then Jake the Snake Roberts, and then, oddly enough, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase was fluid as water. When I say that, I mean his in-ring performance was incredible. If you go back and watch some of his stuff, from like I put him in Perfect in the same category as just amazing technical wrestlers, but just very very smooth very fluid very almost effortless looking mm -hmm. um and that's a rarity you don't see very often and i've mentioned this on the show before but uh ted dibiase is my number one example of performers who were very very good at what they did to the point where i didn't appreciate what they were doing right like when i was a kid i fucking hated ted dibiase right um and thought that he sucked and all that nonsense and so now going back and watching it, I'm like, God damn it. He was so good at everything. Mm -hmm. um, really great at telling a story. Really great, at, like you said, just moving with confidence and, and just moving effortlessly, as you put yeah. it perfectly. 
Um, so I have grown to appreciate Ted DiBiase a lot more in my later years than when I was actually seeing him and I thought that he's like, just think about him, like coming off the second rope with an ax handle. Right. And somebody would do a simple move, like just punch him in the bread basket for him to hit the thing and then flip Mm -hmm. and do that so well and make it look real. Right. Uh, same thing with Mr. Perfect, like Mr. Perfect would be holding onto the rope and somebody would come out and kick the legs out from under him. He didn't just fall down. He did a fucking flip yeah. and fell down face yeah. first. Like, yeah, he didn't have to do that. Right. But he did it. And it was incredible. Right. You know what I mean? It's like I would put I would put the rock on that selling a stunner. Right. Very true. Dude, not only, you know, you could sell the stunner and just, you know, fall back. But then to fall back and then like, like flip over. Right. And hit the ropes while you're doing like, Jesus Christ. But, you know? One of that, that actually, I feel like, this is going to sound cock, uh, the rock super selling the stunner is how I feel about when you and I are working with a wrestler and we're doing the tennis game back and forth. Oh, yeah? Because, like, the rock didn't do the fucking, I almost flipped out of the goddamn ring and I right. spit beer out fucking super sell on the first night. True, yeah. That, that came over time because true. they kept working together, and it was like, okay, but how big can we make this? And I'm going to sell this like I'm going to fucking die because that's how goddamn powerful the Stone Cold Stunner is. Yeah. Like, they would keep building up further and further and further, and that's how I feel about with, when we're working on commentary with someone who wants to work with us, is it's like, you know, we could, hey, we could not communicate at all. You could leave us in the dark. And when you metaphorically hit us with the stunner, we will take it and we'll fall backwards. And that's how we end it. But right. if you work with us and we we're having some shit moment. and we're having some fun with this, yeah. then in fucking, you know, six shows time, it's WrestleMania and we're sharing a beer in the ring and then you stun us. And then, oh my God, we, sh- we literally shit our pants. Right. Poop came out of our pants. That's how hard you fucking stunnered us. We can tell that story together. You're absolutely right. And to the point where when wrestlers would tell us that we moved to certain parts of the ring to be closer to you. To hear what's going on. To hear how you did what we were about to do because we know you would lose your fucking mind. Right. That speaks volumes. Yes. You know, they're just as excited about it as we are to put it out. And... That makes for great memories, man. I agree. Totally agree. And so final question here. We here at the IndyCast believe that every animal in nature has certain evolutionary skills to ensure its survival. So giraffes have long necks. Rhinos have the big horns, et cetera, et cetera. Our belief is that human beings as an animal, their evolutionary trait is their ability to use tools. So that being said, Christian Override, if you could fight any animal, what would it be and what weapon would you use? Uh, something very slow move. Let's go sloth. Good. Okay, that's um, fair. Um, ugly creatures. <laughs> just, just. Are what? we setting up a fight? Well, why are they? Why are they even here? I mean, to be honest, they serve no purpose. Why are they even here? And they're very slow moving, and I'm not. Uh, I'm not fast. Okay, so, that's fair. Uh, and I, I like golfing, so okay. I would probably say a nine iron. Nice. Um. Because they're low to the ground. Good, good. Well, also, you could knock it out of the tree. 
if it's slowly climbing up the tree, you got the nine iron. You can knock it. Well, and also, you're eight feet tall. So between that combination, I don't know. If I think I'm it's that skilled, to be honest. Wait. You can't lift your la- your arms above your head. Well, the I fuck? can, but yeah, it was a baseball swing with it. You got it. You I got fucking it. hate sloths. All right, good oh, to know. We've right. learned something here today. So, uh, so everyone, thank you so much for listening to uh, this definite two parter of the IndieCast. Did we go long? Oh my god, uh, maybe a new record. Uh, and to anyone who has learned a tremendous amount about Christian Override, and uh, unfortunately myself. Uh, the official Romero override merch will be on fully gimmicked shortly. And, uh, you will start to see Christian and I popping up on various shows, both in and out of the state of Florida. And, uh, we our our recent, I guess, return to form was championship wrestling of Florida, which just released their reloaded show. And, uh, it was for the first time ever Christian, myself and former guest of the IndyCast Buckshot. Yep. All doing commentary together for the first time. I was excited as hell. That yeah, that was a huge. That was a well, huge. I mean, I love Buckshot anyway, right? But to have the three of us all together at one time, yes, in a very weird for three guys who super met outside of wrestling to yeah. all be involved in wrestling and be at the same table talking about the same shit. Eh, bananas, bananas, loved it. But anyways, uh, thank you all to the dozens and dozens listening and subscribing to all of our various social medias. And uh, for everybody here, on behalf of Chad and Luna, I am Zach Romero. And until next time, as we always say, deuces. Well, hope I don't poop today. Hercules Mulligan! A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. <laughs> Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are, we're touching wieners, touching wieners professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.